Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering in the dark with us for the first time, welcome. While all of us are sheltering in place right now, I'm sure we're discovering a number of things about ourselves. Some things would surprise us in a good way, and then other things are part of our shadow selves, something that we can work on. Dark discoveries, if one will. But even in the locations that we're in, our homes, our apartments, and so on, Locations are filled with unknown energies. Even familiar places once revisited can unveil unnoticed danger. Look close. Find the paths leading to life-altering discoveries. Follow those dark discoveries and know that you won't come back the same. That is, if you come back at all. First, an excavation digs up an ancient deity. Next, Trespassers enter forbidden paths. After that, a mother's work is never done. And finally, a nighttime scraping noise at the window. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? All hail the flayed lord. Recently, a team of archaeologists found one of the first temples of an Aztec deity within the lowest recesses of a dig in Puebla, Mexico. We like to believe that our modern world is different from the world of our elders and ancestors, their world of supernatural myths, gods, and superstitions. But it's important to heed their lessons because those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Nico Lapita. It is the flayed lord. Don Rinaldo, Nico's uncle and the leader of the archaeological expedition, exclaimed in wonder. The three of us looked at the small pedestal regally holding the upright cross-legged corpse. A staff of rattles was held in its right hand, an aged feathery shield in its left. 
and a large golden gem glinted in its forehead. As we moved closer, I realized something else. The corpse was wearing somebody else's skin like a suit. From the corpse's wrists hung the hands from that skin. Dr. Rinaldo's voice vibrated with excitement and greed as he urgently told us of the great Aztec deity, Zaypetotec, worshipped for agriculture and war. How in this very room, people had been sacrificed in worship of the flayed lord, killed, skinned, and had their organs removed in rituals, praying to him for a bountiful harvest. My best friend Nico and I gazed at the corpse uneasily because despite its age, it still looked eerily lifelike. At first, volunteering for Nico's uncle for the summer had sounded like fun. We could have the chance to be real explorers like in the movies and television. In reality, the dig had been a lot of thankless work. Dr. Ronaldo was a yeller and relentless taskmaster. He would even steal things from historical sites and sell them. We moved further into the historic altar site I had found. I've always loved maps and math, and using a digital mapping program I'd made, I had discovered a secret room deep in the ruins we were excavating. Excited, I told Nico and his uncle about my discovery. Dr. Ronaldo had us come look for it late at night while the other archeologists slept. Smiling widely, Dr. Ronaldo shook Nico's hand and congratulated him on finding the flayed Lord. Nico looked at me sheepishly. It was all a pita tío. I just dug and lit the way, but his uncle barely registered what he said, already planning an international tour for the discovery. This was typical of him. He was constantly ignoring my achievements. Nico was my same age, but was treated with more respect. Let's bring an artifact before I send my crew down, Ronaldo said eyeing the glittering golden gem embedded in the head of the corpse. He rubbed his hands together in delight, telling us that it was the resurrection stone of lore, said to summon the flayed lord into our world so he could feast on the sacrifices offered. He reached out to grab the gem, but his hand was too big to grip it properly and he slipped, cutting himself on a rough edge of it instead. We all stared in silence as Rinaldo's blood was absorbed into the stone and the golden gem began to glow. The earth started to shake. Shadows flickered around the statue, making it appear even more lifelike. In fact, it looked like it was waking up. Dr. Rinaldo barreled past us, making a break for the entryway. We ran after him, but the earthquake had knocked rocks loose, sealing off that exit. I grabbed Nico to run back to the altar. According to the maps I studied, another exit should be behind it. The exit should lead to a cavern with an underground river, a one-way connection to the local village. It was also said to be a river to the underworld. Nico smiled nervously. He was game if I was. Running back, that's when we saw it. The flayed lord was no longer on its pedestal. Where is it, Lupita? Did it fall behind the... Nico was interrupted by a horrifying scream. In the darkness behind us, we heard a crunching and tearing. The scream cut off abruptly. We turned back to Rinaldo, or what was left of him. The skinless body of Nico's uncle, and crouched above him was the reanimated corpse, feasting on his entrails. We ran for it, but we were running from a dark god and were quickly overtaken. Blocking our river exit was the flayed lord, and he wore Don Ronaldo's freshly peeled face over his. Nico looked ready to charge, but a force stopped him. His left arm began to sear and pop blisters. Zypatotek, stop, I said, standing up to the flayed lord and Nico's injuries halted. He collapsed on his knees. Suddenly, the flayed lord was before me. He wasn't much taller than me, 
Blood dripped onto me from the skin flaps he wore. The golden gem burned bright on his forehead. No supplicant dares to speak to a god in such a way. You remind me of my Chukumakocho. Are you she? Return to me. I remembered. That was the name for the goddess of nourishment, the goddess of plenty. Distracted, the reawakened corpse god pulled me even closer to him and breathed in. This world doesn't seem so different. It smells rich with death. Wars that sway like swarms throughout the land. They too will sacrifice themselves to me. Anything to bring back the health and abundance they crave. I knew what I had to do. Quickly, reaching up to the flayed lord's forehead, I twisted, ripping the golden gem out. The god recoiled, weakened, and suddenly corpse-like again. I pushed him into the river to be washed down into the waters of the underworld. Smiling and shocked that we had survived the flayed lord, Nico and I also dived into the deep river, knowing it was our only way out. Swimming out of the cavern towards the sunlight in the village. Along the way, I discovered that despite holding it tightly within my hand, somehow I had lost the golden gem. As we climbed out of the river onto the shore of the village, I didn't notice the soft golden glow radiating from within my chest. I only knew how happy I was to be safe, and also, as I eyed Nico, how incredibly hungry I was all of a sudden. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Parents would like to think that children will heed their warnings of staying safe within their backyards, but children will test boundaries. Like in this story, inspired by Nomen. It was a scorching summer day in a suburb right beneath Margala Hills in Pakistan. Good day for a game of dodgeball. Noman, his sister Samin, his friend Michelle, and her sister Fatima were neck to neck on the score. The heat was beating down and Noman hit the ball so hard that it went past the perimeter of his house toward the tunnels his mother forbade them to go toward. The ball disappeared and his sister Samin ran to get it. Noman shouted after her to remember what their mother had said. Michelle and Fatima began to follow her, and Noman knew he had to get back before Mother noticed they weren't in her line of vision from the house anymore. As he followed them past the shrubbery, he saw his sister enter one of the caves. Samin, get back here! As they approached the nearest tunnel, Samin was walking out of it, ball in hand. His sister explained that Charlie helped her find the ball. Michelle and Noman exchanged a look. Who's Charlie, he asked. 
Samin answered innocently that it was a boy who saw them playing from the tunnels. Newman didn't see anybody, but hurried them back before Mother noticed they were gone. They resumed their game. When it got too hot and Samin beat the final score for her team, they went to their fort for refreshments. Fatima turned to congratulate Samin for helping beat their siblings and gasped when she realized she was gone. Newman went back out and saw his sister heading back toward the tunnels. Ugh, she never listens, Newman said, exasperated as he led their friends beyond the perimeter of the house. By the time they'd caught up, they barely got a glimpse of her slipping back into the forbidden tunnel. We have to follow to make sure she doesn't get lost. Everyone stay close, Newman said. The uneven path was covered in plant overgrowth with very little light inside. They pulled their phones out to illuminate the way, calling for Samin. Where could she have gone, they wondered. Their phone lights shone into the deep darkness that they knew they couldn't go too far into. Samin, Nomen shouted. This isn't funny. We have to go back home. If mother finds... <coughs> A shriek stopped him mid-sentence. Fatima had tripped on something on the ground. It was Samin lying face down on the dirt floor. Nomen rushed to her and flipped her over, shaking her. Samin, wake up, please, he said, and her eyes fluttered open. Where am I? she asked. He hugged his sister. In the cave, you wandered off after we finished the game, he said. Samin looked confused and shook her head. We haven't finished the game. I remember the ball. I came in here for the ball and a boy. Charlie! He came up to me. He looked covered in soot in his face. Half of it was gone. He said he wanted to play. That's all I remember before everything went black. A light crunching sound came toward them and they all looked ahead into the darkness. The ball covered in soot rolled back over to them. A boy stood there smiling with red eyes. Scorched skin overlaid his jaw. Great game, he said. Let's play again soon. Before he melted into the shadows, the kids all ran screaming out toward the house, vowing to never go toward the tunnels again. Noman, thank you so much for inspiring this story, telling us this. I mean, that's very creepy. Having this tunnel in your backyard, it could look ordinary, but we never know what's inside. And I'm wondering, Charlie, did he have good intentions? Did he really just want to play? Or would he want to take over the next time someone gave him a chance? Have you ever played games with beings or children that other people told you weren't there? If you have, please send us those stories. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. A mother's work is never done, like in this story inspired by KJ. They were fighting again. 
My mom and stepdad were in a shouting match when I got home from band practice. It was a showdown, mom versus Ronnie for the whole neighborhood to hear. Shaking my head, I made my way around the house to the back door. Sitting on the garden bench, tucked behind some rosemary bushes, I put my headphones on to drown out the noise. At one point, my mother stormed into her shed and leaving the door gaping open. As I tried to relax, a thick, musty smell wafted from it into the air. It filled my lungs with a disturbing familiarity and triggered a long-forgotten memory. I was eight and playing with my dolls outside. I looked up and saw my dad rushing after my mom as she ran from the house to her shed. There were tears in her eyes. I remember clutching my dolls close to my chest as the yelling continued until a thump stopped the noise of their argument. And then I heard the sound of a table saw coming from the shed and that fresh smell of wet, musty, kind of metallic. The smell from the shed grew overwhelming. I couldn't stand it. I stopped playing the garden and went up to my room to play video games instead. It's something I still do. So when mom and Ronnie were yelling in her shed, I went upstairs to play online with my friends. Hours went by and mom's shed light was still on. When I took my headphones off, I heard it. The buzz of her workshop tabletop saw. It was so late at night for her to be working with loud hardware. There was no way I'd be able to sleep, so I went down to tell her to go to bed. As I walked through the garden, that smell was back, but fresher, and I gagged. I could hear my own childhood voice, small and worried, echoing in my head. Are you okay, mommy? Making my way to the shed, I peeked in, and that smell hit me. I blinked, and my vision blurred as I saw my mom, younger, in my memory, covered in red. Then I asked her if she'd spilled red paint on herself. Yes, honey, it's just paint. Now go back upstairs and play, she had said. My vision came back into focus, and I realized that smell was coming from the blood spraying off the side of my mother's workstation. And I realized she was sawing at a big piece of meat using her workshop table. There were pieces that lay all around her. Rushing back into the house, I went to my room, dizzy with realizations unraveling in my mind. Overwhelmed, I fainted on my floor. The next morning, I refused to get out of bed and my mom didn't bother me much. I could hear the washer and dryer going continuously, her mopping the floors, vacuuming the carpets. I kept telling myself it's just her Saturday morning cleaning routine. It's nothing out of the ordinary. But deep down, I knew I was in denial. When I came downstairs in the evening, Mom asked me to set the table for both of us as if nothing had happened the night before. I asked where Ronnie was, and her eyes darkened. Don't worry about Ronnie. He won't be bothering us anymore. He decided to go on a long trip, she said as she disappeared into the kitchen. Those words took the air right out of me. I couldn't breathe and my legs felt like jelly. Something in my head clicked. I remembered what she had said over dinner after daddy had left. Your daddy decided to go on a long trip, one he never came back from. What's wrong? Mother asked as she placed a roast platter before us. Blinking away the tears streaming down my face, I tried to compose myself. I just remembered something. Mom added a heap of meat to my plate, looking at me expectantly. Her eyebrows furrowed, and she switched over to her plate, cutting into the meat with precision. 
You know I make a lot of sacrifices for us, right? That I'd do anything for us to keep us safe, she asked pointedly. With a gulp, I kept what I was feeling inside and nodded. My hands shook as I took the knife and fork to slice into the meat on my plate. Steadying myself as I raised a piece to my mouth, Mother was watching. I took a bite. Every bite I took, I had to force down past my gag reflex and cries rising from my chest. I could taste the bitter truth about our family, about my mom, and what happened to Dad and Ronnie. Mom did make sure we were okay, and I think in her own twisted way she was protecting us. I knew I had to appear grateful, or I might end up on a plate for her to eat, too. Thank you so much, KJ, for inspiring the story. Wow, this is something else. I mean, that's one way to dispose of a body or a few bodies, I suppose. Do you think that Dad and Ronnie deserved what they got? And also, with this mom, are these the only two people that she might have taken care of? Children may tell tall tales, but in every story, there's a thread of truth. Like in this story, inspired by Andy. And thank you to our Patreon, John N. We're using you as a character in this story. The tappings had started again. My little brother John complained to me when he asked if he could sleep in my room. It was the second night in a row with this. It had rained last night, but tonight the skies were clear. John wasn't accustomed to his own room yet. We'd shared one at our last place. Please, Connor, he had pleaded. There's a lady in an orange suit looking at me at night. Her eyes are white and she has no mouth. Her fingers tap on my window all night. I think she wants me to let her in. The next morning, my mom and dad told me not to enable John. He had to get used to sleeping alone. There was no lady outside his window. The motion-activated light would have turned on. Our parents figured John had to have gotten the idea after being afraid of the sound of rain and just ran with it. Later that night, John waited till our parents were asleep and then snuck into my room with a bewildered look in his eyes. I can't sleep in there, he said. She's closer to the window now. There had to be a way to get him to sleep in his room. Then it hit me. I could spend the night in his room and then sneak back into mine when he passed out. Grabbing my pillow and blanket, I told John that I'd scare the lady away if she was there and stay with him. Hesitantly, he agreed. Turning on his bedroom light, I showed him there was no one at his window. After reading a chapter from one of his favorite stories, I tucked John in and waited for him to go to sleep. Assuring him there was no tapping lady at the window, and I waited on the floor. I dozed off. Tap, tap, tap. John, if that's you, I said without opening my eyes. Tap, tap, tap. I blinked awake when I felt a thud fall on me. It was John. He was shivering. She's back, he whispered. Sighing, I sat up and saw scratches in the windowsill. As I got closer, I realized they were words. Let me have the boy. 
and for a moment I saw a face in the darkness outside, with white eyes blinking under the moonlight. When I tried to tell my parents, they were skeptical until they saw the scratches. And even though they both agreed it was odd, they accused me of being in cahoots with John. I had no reason to do such a thing. I wanted my own room alone, but I also knew John wasn't lying. But they didn't believe us. Frustrated, I promised John we would show them. So I stayed with him again. This time, we had a plan. I'd sleep in his bed, and as soon as the tapping started, he'd go get mom and dad. We pretended to go to sleep for what felt like hours, and then tap, tap, tap. Okay, now, I whispered, and he crawled to the hallway as I stood up wrapped in his blanket. Holding my bat, I opened the window and poked my head out. Before I knew what was happening, Long, fingernailed hands dug into my shoulder, and the last thing I heard was John screaming as I was yanked out the window. Connor, no! John yelled as his older brother Connor was grabbed by the lady and dragged through the window. Connor and John's parents rushed into the room behind John. They did their best to shush their son and make sense out of what he was saying. She took him. She took him. He continued to cry, jumping into his mom's arms. You wouldn't believe me. The lady at my window, she did it. Connor and John's parents ran outside to find Connor. And as the dad approached the window, it slammed closed on the sill. A message scratched into the glass in big, jagged letters. He will do. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markeia McCarty and Sabina Graves. Audio edited by Fitz Harris. Graphics by Johnny Ashley. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. 
for your words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.